0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for Conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a Drosh by Pressman Academy's head of school, Dr. Erica Rothblum. My aunt Lisa was irreverent. She sang Barbara Streisand songs very loudly, even in public, even though her voice was really bad. She had nicknames for everybody. The nicknames didn't make sense. Her husband, David, was Chez or Jessica. But while they didn't make sense, they were dripping with affection. And her hugs really hurt. It felt like she was using claws to embrace you. She was planning to be in Los Angeles for work, one of the first weeks after I had moved to Los Angeles. On Monday, September 10th, 2001, she left me a voicemail. We have a reservation for dinner for dinner tomorrow night. Meet me at my hotel, and then we will be on our little merry way. The next morning, 20 years ago today, Aunt Lisa was on American Airlines Flight 11, the first flight to crash into the World Trade Center. She would be 61 years old. I often think about what her life would be like if she were alive. Her oldest daughter just got engaged. She would be very excited to dance at that wedding. She was also a really bad dancer. I often wish I could ask her for advice as a woman who worked a lot while maintaining that her children were the center of her heart. This year feels especially heavy for me because she died when she was almost exactly my age. Her memory, especially today, makes me think about what we leave behind, how we are remembered. V.E. Schwab's book, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, was a delicious read from this summer. The premise is that Addie, a woman who lives in early 18th century France, is facing a marriage she does not want, a life that is too contained for her liking, and she makes a deal with the devil. In exchange for escaping an unwanted marriage and an ordinary life, she receives immortality and she realizes too late loses her legacy. She tells the devil that she doesn't want to belong to anybody, and she's therefore doomed to be instantly forgotten by anyone she meets. Over the next 400 years, Addie lives a life in which she tries to create meaning. What is a person, Addie asks, if not for the marks they leave behind? This question feels especially meaningful today. Shabbat Shuvah, Parshat Vayelech, 9-11. As we consider our mortality and the lives of those we love, We might think that leaving a mark is a grandiose idea. In the musical Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton sings, God help and forgive me. I want to build something that's going to outlive me. But I want to offer that we don't need to build a treasury system for a country in order to leave a mark. But we need to leave something, right? And again, the question, what is a person if not the marks they leave behind? There's a story of a rabbi, a priest, and a minister who are speaking on a panel at a conference, and they're all asked the same question, what would you like people to say about you after you die? The priest answers first and says he hopes people will talk about how he was able to help people understand that God loves them. The minister says he hopes he will be remembered for being a caring and thoughtful man who brought people closer to God. The rabbi answers last. After a pause, she says, I would want people at my funeral to say, Look, she's breathing. (laughs) While this might be the lighthearted response to Addie's question, our tradition also has an answer. As we're coming to the end of the book of Devarim, we're also coming to the end of Moshe's life, a man whom the Torah proclaims is unique, as never again did there rise in Israel a prophet like Moses. The thing that I think is unique about Moshe, not only a prophet like Moshe, is that he's a human. We see him grow angry and frustrated. We see him despair and make mistakes. We see him beg to be allowed to enter Israel. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Zicharoni Vracha, argues that Moses is a role model because of what he strove for rather than for what he achieved. Rabbi Sachs writes, In one of its most powerful statements about Moses, the Torah states that he was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were undimmed and his strength unabated. Why was Moses' strength unabated? Because his eyes were undimmed, because he never lost the ideals of his youth. Though he sometimes lost faith in himself and his ability to lead, he never lost faith in the cause, in God, service, freedom, the right, the good, the holy. His words at the end of his life were as impassioned as they had been at the beginning. Moshe Rabbeinu, the great hero of Judaism, died without accomplishing his goal. He isn't remembered because he brought the Israelites over the finish line into the promised land. He's remembered because of the journey there, because of his struggles and his convictions and his unyielding aspiration to his highest ideal, because he continued to show up resiliently in service to God because he believed in the Israelites or he believed that they were capable of change even when he wanted to give up on them. What is a person if not the marks they leave behind? Moshe teaches us that the answer is not always the outcome. Sometimes the marks are in the journey, the lessons learned, the willingness to show up every day and try, the service we provide while on the path there, the connections we create with those around us. I take comfort in the idea that the mark we leave is not necessarily the grand product. We will not all be people like Moses, who have our names spoken thousands of years after we die. We will not all be people like Hamilton, who even if they don't know our name, use our inventions or our systems or our creations. But we're also not doomed to be forgotten like Addie LaRue. We can all be people who leave our mark, who are remembered, because of the ways we show up in the world the night before my aunt lisa got on that plane she slipped a piece of paper under my uncle's door he found it on tuesday afternoon after it was confirmed that she had died the paper was a quote from charles swindle the longer i live the more i realize the impact of attitude on life Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It's more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that's our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. I think about this quote a lot. Our world is a really hard place to live right now the news about Afghanistan and Haiti and fires in the North and climate change and 18 months of a pandemic and vaccine mandates and, and, and. This doesn't even take into account the challenges that we might be facing in our own lives with health, other relationships, professional stress, or family happenings. And the truth is we can't control most of those things, but we can choose our attitude. We can choose the person we want to be in those circumstances, despite those circumstances. I recently heard the story of a couple who celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. One member of that couple is actively dying of a fatal disease, and they decided to have a party to celebrate their anniversary with their family and their friends. The spouse stood up to make a speech and listed all of the wonderful things that have happened in their lives and that continue to happen in their lives, that despite this awful disease taking away their partner, They were living in an abundance of blessing. The idea of living with a positive mindset, of bringing our best selves to the world, is not just a good idea. There's evidence that a positive attitude makes you happier and more resilient. It improves your relationships. It even increases your chances of success. In addition, having a positive attitude makes you more creative, and it can help you make better decisions. To top it all off, There are studies that show that people with a positive attitude live longer than their sour puss counterparts. I don't know that anyone disagrees with the concept of living with a positive attitude, but it's obviously not that easy, or we'd all be doing it already. But there are a few things we can each do that will help us to rewire our brain into having a more positive attitude. There are actions. Consider moments you can add to your daily routine that will help create space for a more positive mindset. Some people use their mornings to set a tone for the day, meditating, walking. I heard someone listens to Bon Jovi's It's My Life every morning. For others, exercise is a routine that can provide space and chemicals for a positive mindset. One study found that between groups who participated in high-intensity interval training, moderate continuous training and no exercise that group with moderate training actually experienced the greatest drop in depressive symptoms and stress so you don't need to run a marathon to get the benefits of exercise on a positive mindset though i feel like i'm looking at a lot of bikers you don't even have to bike a thousand miles (laughs) consider the ways you speak speech consider the ways you speak both the speech in your brain and the speech that comes from your mouth I recently read advice from one man that shared when people greet him by asking, how are you? He will always answer with great or fantastic or amazing. He said, not only does this remind me that life is really great, but it usually helps the other person shift toward a positive attitude as well. And on this note, limiting complaining is key in developing a positive attitude. I know this is tricky for many of us who like to bond over fetching. When we complain, though, we're offering something negative without offering a solution. Marilisa Fabrega, the author of Daring to Live Fully, writes, Constantly complaining leads to a bad attitude, so stop complaining. Instead, start looking for solutions or accept what cannot be changed. And mindset. Finally, and most, perhaps most powerfully, we can develop a positive mindset when we stop to think about the opportunity that comes from a challenge One way to do this is through a daily gratitude practice. One study found that people who sent letters of gratitude experienced significant increases in happiness scores. Another way of shifting our mindset is to stop when something challenging happens and think, what can I gain from this? What can I learn from this? In this way, we take control and power over the bad things and stop feeling like things are happening to us. We are 18 months into a pandemic that has upended our lives. We are in the third school year that is impacted by COVID. Another Jewish year with this virus. It's easy to feel despondent and cranky. But on this Shabbat, as we think about the 2,996 people who died 20 years ago, as we think about the people we want to show up and be in this coming year, I urge us to consider the lessons of Moshe, to recognize that the mark we leave on this world comes from the people we are and how we show up. And this is certainly true of my Aunt Lisa. She did not get to finish her work. Her career had more places to go. Her daughters still needed raising. But her mark was in her journey, in her work to create a more aesthetically pleasing world, in her love of parenting, in her fierce loyalty to her friends, in her determination to belt out that Barbra Streisand song, and perhaps most meaningfully, in our memories of the kind of person she was. Addie LaRue reflected that being forgotten is a bit like going mad. You begin to wonder what is real, if you are real. After all, how can a thing be real if it cannot be remembered? My Aunt Lisa was real. She is remembered. She left her mark. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Bethon, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Bethon, Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.